Welcome to I Want to Put a Baby in You, a podcast exploring reproductive technology and life-changing stories. Here are your hosts, Jennifer White and Ellen Trackman. Welcome to I Want to Put a Baby in You, a podcast where we explore all things assisted reproductive technology and are absolutely honored to be able to interview the experts as well as those people who have personal stories and lives changed and touched by assisted reproductive technology. So last week, Jen, <clears throat> I asked you like what inspired you to, to work in this area. Um, and this week, I mean, my my main criteria, like my main, well, my main qualifications for doing this podcast is being your sister, right? So uh, my question this week for you is, what is your favorite memory of me as your sister? But don't worry, I'm, I'm going to give you multiple choice to make it easier, right? I, <laughs> okay. Oh, good. I'm glad it's okay. multiple choice. So here, okay. here are your multiple choices. Um, a, throwing a Millie Vanilli tape at my head in elementary school when you were either um, upset with me for being annoying or possibly Millie Vanilli for being fake. For also being annoying. Yeah, yeah, and also being annoying. Um, okay, B, um, throwing up in your car at 19. I think because of food poisoning, definitely not because you had just introduced me to tequila shots. No, um, definitely or not. C, Drive around Ireland in our 20s, uh, exploring the country in a rental car that we never figured out how to put in reverse and involved me getting out of the car <laughs> and having to push us out of parking spaces repeatedly. Those are your choices. I, I had forgotten about that. <laughs> um, I would definitely say Ireland, but I mean, you know, um, only because I don't recall the Millie Vanilli incident. <laughs> um, so I, I blocked that out. That might have been my favorite if I could recall it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. That was an awesome nine days. So um, got to go sing, see the Dingle Peninsula, drink lots of Guinness. Uh, yeah. Definitely there was no throwing up in the car on that particular trip. Uh, so no, it was fantastic. So yeah. Awesome. So who do we get to talk to today? Well, who are you? Who do we get to talk who to today? I? Yeah. I don't, know. I don't know. Who are you? I don't even know who you are. Did I introduce myself? Uh, I'm, no, I'm Ellen Trackman. Okay. Maybe I didn't. There you go. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Are you done? That's yeah, it. You're that was Ellen Trackman. Oh, okay, good. Uh, Ellen Trackman. She, she's she's an attorney. She's great. She's she's my sister. That is her qualification. Uh, I'm Jennifer White, and the director of uh, Colorado Surrogacy, New Mexico Surrogacy, and Montana Surrogacy. And we get the distinct pleasure of being here together and talking to people and exploring their lives. And today, especially, and I think. A lot of the time we we do this build up. We're like, this person, they're a rock star in the, in this field and this thing. And I I have to say that today, and I'm not diminishing her in any way, shape, or form. That the person we are interviewing, she's she's a person, a regular person, just like you or I. And I think that's what makes her story all the more incredible and all the more special is that people just every day are touched by this technology, by surrogacy, by everything. And it really changes our lives. And it's really important. So uh, we had the absolute pleasure of talking to Emily Sandusky and hearing her story and how her family has grown. And without further ado, here, here she is. We are here today with Emily Sandusky, who I'm very excited is joining us to tell her own personal story that is long and dramatic and exciting, um, but lots of ups and downs. And Emily, thank you so much for for joining us. You're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to share. 
Yeah. So um, start from the beginning, uh, the day you were born. No. Tell <laughs> <laughs> um, your background. Like, where, where were you born? In... It was a crazy day in May. <laughs> um, I was born, actually born in New Jersey, which is oh. funny because I only lived there for a couple of years. So it's not a place I remember. But yeah. most of my years were spent in Michigan and Colorado. Oh, nice. Cool. Yeah. Um, and then did you, I mean, how early did you know that you had health issues that could later affect your family building? So I, I was first diagnosed, I've, so I've had leukemia four times and I was first diagnosed with leukemia when I was five. And oh of God, course at that time, five. We were, yeah, ah. five, yeah. yeah, I know. Yeah, and that wasn't your top concern when you were five. No, it was definitely not the top concern when I was five. Um, so yeah, so it was, it wasn't really until, so I, I was five and then I relapsed again when I was 11 and then relapsed again in 17, when I was 17. And then the last time I had leukemia was when I was 19. So it was when I was 17 in high school. Yeah. Wow. A long, a long road of, of health, uh, focus. And can I ask, what does that look like? So, I, I mean, that's kind of amazing. That the relapses were so close, which kind of meant that you, it, you didn't have it. And then pretty quickly each time. Yeah, it was really wild. So I, with the protocol that I was doing, and I, I don't know what it's like now, but um, the chemotherapy was for two years. So when I was first diagnosed, I did two years of chemotherapy and I responded awesome. Like I was still able to go to school and I played soccer and I, yeah, I was able to do pretty much everything. Um, I mean, I got, I got sick, but it like bounced back really, really quickly from everything. And then so, so what did, what did that look like when you were a five-year-old, you were having to go in regularly for like to, to do the chemo treatments and then go to soccer practice? Yeah, I know. It's so crazy. So I would, yeah, I'd miss school for, um, to go to have treatments. I, I didn't have to do really any, um, long hospital stays or anything like that. So it was mostly just going in for the day, getting treatments, or I had pills sometimes that I would take at home. And then I would, yeah, I would just, and as long as I was, you know, had the energy, which was most of the time, I mean, the biggest thing I suffered from when I was going through that time was nausea and they didn't really have the anti-nausea pills that they have now. And so, um, so that was for me like the worst part. And then it was kind of like puke and rally. Wow. So soccer practice, you're like, hold on. Yeah. Okay. Lock the goal. Yeah, stop, stop the scoring. Yes. Yeah. And I was so lucky because my parents really tried to help me keep as much of a normalcy as possible, even though, you know, it was not exactly normal, but, um, but trying to keep me in school, you know, as much as possible and trying to keep me doing. Did you grow up with siblings too? I did. Yes. I have an older sister who's three years older than me, Alyssa. And then I have a younger brother who's two years younger, Greg, and then another sister who's seven years younger than me. Her name is Natalie. Okay. Wow. So, so you also had, so they were also juggling multiple children during all of this as well. So that's incredible. Yes. And now that I'm a parent, I am just like, how in the heck did they keep it all together? <laughs> because right? I have no, and my brother has special needs too. So it wasn't like we, <laughs> everybody was just all like, doing their thing and smooth sailing they had a lot to deal with yeah and I was gonna is it was it just you with leukemia yes I was the only one that had leukemia and there was no leukemia or, or other blood cancers in our family or anything like that so you know where 
where it came from. I'm not sure. I think we're still trying to figure that out in the research with blood diseases, although I think they're getting closer with different, you know, different types of things, but I don't know. That's, that's amazing. So 19 though, last, last recurrence and you got a clean bill of health after that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, when I was a freshman in college at Northwestern university in Chicago, I was diagnosed, uh, for the last time and I did some antibody treatment up in Minnesota and did two more years of chemo while I was at college in Evanston. Wow. And you just keep doing it all at the same yeah, time. Yeah, I just kept doing it all. I missed one quarter. So I, um, I ended up doing a summer at university of Michigan. I did two classes um, because I really just wanted to, to graduate with my class. My parents yeah. were like, you don't have to graduate on time. Like you can take some time off. Um, but I just loved my friends in college and I really, it was just important to me to, to stick yeah, with that. that. So yeah. That's impressive. Do, were you like by the fourth time, were you discouraged or you're just like, nope, like we do it again. No problem. <laughs> like how did, how do you feel? Um, at first I was definitely really discouraged and just frustrated and thinking, gosh, why does this keep happening to me? And I loved college. So I was just on this like high from, you know, being at, in school and having new friends and just having so much fun and freedom. Um, so yeah, when it, when I relapsed, I mean, I, I knew by the time it happened, I knew cause I, I had gotten really bad uh, pain in my hips, which is what had happened the last time I relapsed from all of the cells getting so crazy and crowded in there. And so I knew, but I, it didn't, I mean, it didn't make it any easier, but after the initial, I got, I had a really hard, um, initial relapse with getting super sick from some of the medications and stuff like that. So that was, that was hard. But then after that, it was just like back to like, okay, I did this before. Let's do this and let's get on with life. So, I mean, it, it definitely sucked and it was hard, much harder on my body than the previous times. Like I, I lost a lot more weight and like I got a lot sicker and got this bad infection in my face that was, yeah. So it was a lot harder on my body, but once I got through all of that, um, it was, well, I don't know what else you do. I mean, I wasn't just going to be like, oh, <laughs> this is over. So it was, yeah. yeah. I mean, good for you, but all the, I mean, sticking with college graduation, taking extra class, I feel like that's way over the board. When right. Is expected. <laughs> anyone in that situation who's a lot to go through. Yes, definitely. So, so when did you meet your husband in relation to all of this? So I met my husband. Um, I, so after college, I, I went home to Michigan to get my hips replaced because that's what most 22 year olds do. Um, <laughs> wow. And then after that, I, um, I moved out to Colorado and I had wanted to get back to Colorado. We had, we had lived out here for um, about five years um, when I was third through just before eighth grade. So I came back here and then I met my husband through my sister-in-law um, just uh, uh, let's see about two years after I moved out here. So about two, 2006. Um, and my sister-in-law had known Ryan, my husband since elementary school. And so she was like, you, she told Ryan, you've got to meet Emily. I think it, you know, really hit it off. And she did not tell me this. So I had no idea that she was setting us up. <laughs> and so she invited us to a Broncos game at her house, a playoff game. And there was just a small group, like maybe 10 or 15 people. And so Ryan just found his way over to talking to me. And a week later, we had a date and 
were dating and got married a few years later after that and the rest is history that's awesome yeah so when when you were dating, did you discuss early on, like, hey, I've been through a lot. Like, I don't I don't know what your thoughts are in a family, but, like, how did that discussion go? Yeah. So, I actually, I think it was the, fir- the first or second date that Ryan knew pretty much my whole life story. Um, I It was actually, it was kind of easy to bring up because I had just had, um, I had had my knee replaced and my shoulder replaced, too. And so when we, we, it wasn't like, I wasn't that long out from that. So I was still, my muscles were still like getting stronger and everything like that. And so when we went out to dinner, there were like some steps and things like that. So I kind of was just said, Oh, you know, I'm kind of fragile. So be careful. Yeah. And he's like, what are you talking about? Right. You're like, I am the incredible bionic woman. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So that it just opened up the door to, um, to what I'd been through and, um, and he was amazing. I mean, he, it didn't really phase him. It was interesting. It phased his mother, which now as a mother, I can understand why. But at the time she was like, are you sure you want to like get in a relationship with someone that's been through so much, um, you know, health things and who knows where that could lead. And at first, of course, I was like super offended. I'm like, she doesn't right, even know yeah. me and she doesn't want you to date me. <laughs> But then I realized now from a mother's perspective, like I probably would have said the same thing because right. um, that's a lot of health, health history. So, uh, but yeah, he wasn't phased at all. So, I mean, we, we both early on knew we wanted to have kids and, you know, we kind of figured we'd cross that road when we got there. Um, but, um, but we, we knew it probably wouldn't look traditional, whatever road that took. And so that was really awesome that he was so supportive and understanding from the get-go that's wonderful that's wonderful so then yeah so obviously you you knew from the start that which I guess is a different a lot of people come to surrogacy through different paths and a lot of people don't know that this is going to be their path but you knew that that was likely going to be your path from the start well actually no I I knew that I probably didn't have any eggs because the fertility treatment wasn't as advanced as it is now and they didn't have the so when, when I was in high school was the only time we really talked about preservation of any sort of eggs or ovaries or things like that. And, and did you do anything at that point? No, because the only options they had were, um, we might be able to take out an ovary, fly you to Texas and take out an ovary and freeze that and hope that in a while from now we'll have the technology to do something with that. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And so Which now they do. They, they do. But. Yes. Yes. And, or they said, or, you know, we could fertilize your egg. But of course I was like, with whose right. sperm are we going right, to do that? Right. Right. <laughs> and we didn't know if I had even any eggs at that point because I had been through so much. So, um, so fortunately they have that technology now just to fertilize an egg by itself. But we didn't have that. So I knew that I probably didn't have any eggs, but I, I thought that I was going to be able to carry. Um, so I... And by fertilizing, you mean like they can just freeze an egg by itself? Yeah, that's without, right. That's without, what I meant. Just freeze without fertilizing. Without having without some having random stranger yes. having to fertilize your egg. Yes, yes, yes. yes that's what I meant. So yes, now <laughs> they can just freeze the egg by itself, which is amazing. Um, but yeah, so I, I thought that I would be able to carry, but I, I knew we probably would have to have unless some miracle probably have to have an egg donor. But so we weren't sure we weren't sure, you know, we thought about adopting and then we really wanted to, um, to try to have me carry. So I went in and did some 
um, had them give me some of the the medicines to see if my uterus would respond in the way it needed to before trying to do an actual transfer. And when we did that, um, my uterus just wasn't thickening up in the way it was supposed to, even with additional medicines. And so the doctor said, you know, we could definitely try it, but with, you know, what I've seen, the chances of you carrying to full term, I don't think are very good. And he said, you know, you might get pregnant, but it doesn't seem like your body's doing what it needs to do to carry full term. And that actually was the most emotional part because I, I really thought that I was going to be able to carry. And so I kind of come to terms with we not having eggs for years, but, but not being able to carry, that was definitely a, a sh- kind of a shocker. Cause I thought for yeah. sure that I would be able to, to go through that. Yeah. Wow. Uh, that's, yeah, that's hard. Yeah. So how did you two, so you knew, did they, did they even try to do a retrieve an egg retrieval or they could just tell that that wasn't an option? They could tell that wasn't an option. They, um, I don't, I don't remember exactly what that process was, but I think when they like looked at my ovaries and things like that, they could kind of tell by the size and different things that, um, that it didn't look like I had, it would be possible to have any eggs. So how did you go with the next step? Like, how did you start to consider an egg donor who that might be? So first we just got really overwhelmed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. Yes, that's uh, normal. Yeah. Like, well, crap, that didn't work. Oh, sorry. I should, probably shouldn't have said that. Um, <laughs> so we're like, what do we do? Like, do we, do we adopt? And we weren't opposed to adopting at all, but we just were, we were trying to figure out what was right for our family. And we're like, do we adopt? Do we try to find a gestational carrier? But, you know, and I talked to some friends about their process in adopting and have some friends that have had, you know, great experiences and have beautiful kids from that. Um, And then we were looking at the gestational carrier way, but both ways just seemed so expensive and overwhelming and just, we didn't know where to start. And then um, we have a beautiful angel named Gail who is one of my best friends from Northwestern's, one of her, her name is Melanie, my, one of my best friends from Northwestern, um, one of her best friends from high school, her name is Gail, and she knew me the last time that I had leukemia. So, um, so we weren't close friends, but we were definitely, you know, friendly and, um, and enjoyed each other. And she had had two kids and really wanted to be pregnant again and carry for somebody, but um, but they didn't want to have any more kids. And so she actually came to us and, and said, Hey, I know you guys want, are wanting to have kids. Um, I would love to carry for you. What do you think? And we were like, Oh my gosh. <laughs> we're like, we think yes. Oh, that's great. Yes. yes. So you had a gestational carrier before you had a donor then? Yes. <laughs> yes. Incredible. Wow. Yes. So, so then how did you find it? How did you find your donor then? So then we found an egg donor through, um, our, an agency. So we connected with, and I totally am blanking on the agency's name, but we connected with them and, um, in, and went on there and looked for someone. We really wanted to find somebody like me and which was actually hard to do because I have blonde hair and blue eyes and there's not a, a lot of in that small window, there weren't a lot of options for blonde hair and blue eyes. And, but then they gave us a really good suggestion too, of trying to find somebody that was not necessarily just physical characteristics, but somebody that was 
personality traits as well. Cause they're like, you know, you never know my, my husband has dark hair and you never know what's going to happen. So, so that was really cool. So I actually, one day was looking on the site when we were trying to find someone and I found this girl who like her whole description was just seemed so similar to me, not just the blue eyes and blonde hair part, but you know, she was athletic and she was driven and she and family was really important and just all these other characteristics. And I, I called my husband right away. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is the person like, this is the one we have to choose. We need to choose her right now. Uh-huh. And um, that's and nice when you so, have that feeling that's so certain. Yes. It's just like, Oh, I don't know. Okay. You know, that's, that's awesome. You're like, this is it. Yes. And that's how all the other ones were is like, when we were looking at other ones, it was kind of like, Oh, you know, this could be a possibility. Um, and so when, yeah, so when she, her profile came up, we, we picked her right away. And Um, It's so crazy because my boys are, we ended up with identical twin boys, which I'm kind of skipping ahead, but the happy ending already (laughs) preview. (laughs) But they have, they look just like me. Like when we go out, people are like, Oh my gosh, I can tell that they're yours. (laughs) (laughs) Even though they have no like genetic connections, which is crazy. That's awesome. Okay. So you have, you got donor, you got embryos. Yes. Yes. And gestational carrier. You you're doing like pretty awesome here compared to so many people. Your friend who who volunteered. I mean, unfortunately so often it happens where a couple needs a gestational carrier and they have like five or six or 10 friends volunteering, but none of them can pass the medical clearance just because it's such narrow, you know, you have to fit within this really narrow requirement of everything being perfect and everything being healthy and being the right age and being the right BMI. But your friend, happened to pass all those things it sounds like yes that was not an issue at all so we were so lucky and she lives outside of Chicago and that was I mean it would have been nice if she was here but actually that worked out fine because there were so many great places that she could um do all of her follow-up stuff with there that my doctor here in Denver was totally fine with that he said if she was in some you know real small you know area where there weren't good good doctors that know know this process and are familiar with this process then we probably would have her fly out here every time which I can't even imagine what that would have been Um, but so we were really lucky that she had great a great medical team there that could do all the follow-up appointments and everything that's great so how how did it go so you trans you had embryos formed did you did that go well Yeah. So we, so luckily my husband's sperm was all good. So that was the one working part. (laughs) And, um, so we, so yeah, we were able to free, uh, we were able to fertilize. I think we ended up, they fertilized maybe around like 20 some 20 plus. And then, um, yeah. And then it was really awesome. Yeah. And then out of those, they kind of deemed, um, I think it was 10 that they really thought were good quality ones and so um so yeah so gail she did have to fly out here for the transfers so um the first time she she um flew out here we did one we transferred one embryo and unfortunately that one did not take Mm. i know which was definitely hard but we were just like okay it's gonna it's gonna happen and you knew you knew pretty fast like after the transfer she was taking pregnancy tests and it just wasn't yeah we knew pretty fast I think it was I think it was only like maybe 10 days or 
So yeah. afterwards, and the yeah. blood test is like, no, there's no. Not yeah. Yeah. So that was definitely, definitely disappointing. And when I first started this process, I thought it was like, oh, well, if it doesn't take one month, then it's like you do the next month. Um, yeah. but you not, not too easy. Yeah. Yeah. It's not that easy. So that was frustrating. Cause I was like, okay, you know, we're ready. And then we have to wait for her body to get a break. And so it was a couple months later that we were able to do the next transfer and they decided that, um, that we should do two embryos. So, so Gail flew out here for that and we did the two transfers and unfortunately those did not take either. So then we were really starting to get discouraged because we're like, oh my gosh, like, is this ever going to work? And we really were, you know, just starting to just wonder, like, are we doing all this for nothing? Which, you know, we were trying to keep our spirits high, but at the same time, it's just really frustrating when you're like, I just want a baby. Right. And we thought for sure with implanting the two embryos that it would take that time. And so then... One more time to go for it again. So you so had to you wait. Say? So you had to go. For, you had to wait another couple of months. Then yeah. So we had to wait again. again. And um, and it was, but it was actually really cool because Gail was, she was so in it with us that was really amazing. She was feeling like I want, like we're gonna keep going. Like I want, I did this so that you guys could have some kids. You know, like our kid or whatever. So we're like we, you know, we're gonna keep doing this. So that was really awesome that she had that attitude because. I could see how, you know, some people would just get frustrated and I don't know, maybe not want to go keep going through it. So it was incredible that she kept sticking with it. Um, so, so yes, we, um, so we went for the third try and, um, the third time it was a very snowy snowstorm in Chicago and she was supposed to be coming out the night before the transfer and, um, there was there was a big blizzard and all these flights were getting canceled out, out of Chicago to Denver and everywhere. And so, I mean, I can picture perfectly my husband and I like sitting there being like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? We can't just switch the date. Um, and so she, it was, it was like the craziest thing. It's like, not only was it a crazy snowstorm, but then like the icers broke to de-ice the plane and then the pilots timed out and then finally they canceled her flight. Come on, really? Yes. <laughs> and we're like, ah! One more thing. You're like, I'm coming up there, flying a plane myself. Yes, if I had it, a private jet, I would have done that. Um, <laughs> so the at the, air, at the airport, the, um, they told her that the next flight she could get out on was 6 a.m. in the morning and the transfer was supposed to be at like nine here or something like that in the morning um and so and they said the best thing to do would just be to stay at the airplane airport so that you can get be the first one to get on um the wait list because that uh, for standby because that's at 4 a.m. is I guess when they would let her get on standby list so she didn't even know if she would make it onto the next no she had no idea if she'd make it onto the plane and I was we honestly were thinking you know, gosh, maybe she won't. Cause if there's this many people that are having this problem, you know, who knows how many people are going to get on standby list before her. Um, but at four, when she got at 4am, she let us know that she was on the list and she was high up. She was like five or six on the list. And so we were feeling hopeful, like, okay, she's going to make it. Um, unfortunately she got on that flight. Thank goodness. And, um, I picked her up from the airport, got her something to eat. We went straight to the hospital 
um, everyone feeling exhausted. But at the same time, we are all thinking, this is going to be the time that works <laughs> because everybody is so tired. We can't even be stressed. And um, so they did, they ended up doing the two, the two embryos again and they actually did not, this not four they didn't just go like not four not four, four. <laughs> okay good two. That and did you crazy. did you know for the embryos did you know um like are they girls are they boys did you know that going into the transfer no we didn't we didn't I know some people do know or get maybe get that tested but we did not know if they were boys or girls okay you're totally exhausted they transfer to yeah how does totally exhausted. They transfer. They actually did um, a couple different things. They did this kind of scratch thing inside that they said helps, they, they found was helping the embryos attach better. And then they did, um, they did some acupuncture on her stomach area, which they had actually done the second time too. But, um, and so they transferred the embryos and they came out, they said it all went great. And she's asleep. <laughs> Do you want us to wake her up? And I said, no, just let her stay if she can. Um, so I don't remember how long she was asleep for. But um, Well, you're supposed to, you're supposed to be relaxed, right? Yes, so exactly, that's, right. That's like the ideal situation is falling asleep during it. Exactly. So I just... I just knew that time was going to be the time that it worked because like I said, just all the craziness that happened. And then um, I'm like, gosh, these are of course you know who knows but so we so we did that and um I love kind of your intuition throughout the story throughout this like yes this is right and this egg donor is right and this is the time that will work I love that you you kind of could feel that yeah that is interesting I never thought about that but it's yeah it's true um and so so yeah we sent her home which felt kind of crazy because I was like wait maybe she you should stay here for like a month and make sure that, <laughs> yeah just hang out with us it's cool because yeah, I knew she had to get back to her family and everything but um yeah. and and how old were how old were her kids at this time her kids were like let's see five like five and six or six and seven okay. at the yeah. time so pretty young pretty young yeah um but it was pretty neat like she really um included them in the process of in, in like telling them and explaining them that she was going to carry a baby for another person that couldn't. And, um, and then throughout the process, I got to meet her kids and I even stayed at their house. And so it was, so they knew who I was and you know, what, what her, their mom was doing. And it was really neat the way that she did that and helped them see this amazing gift that she was giving another family. That's awesome. And were they, they got it. They were, they were pretty receptive. They were like, Hey, why aren't we keeping that baby or. No, you know, it didn't seem like it. I, I mean, not that I know of, I mean, I think it helped, like I said, that they, they, and they actually came out here. She brought her family out here um, before the baby, before the baby. And um, she, and so then they got to meet my husband too. And so I, I don't know, I think maybe just knowing what was happening helped. Um, and they didn't know, it didn't seem like, and throughout the whole process, you know, she was saying, you know, I'm going to carry a baby for somebody else. And she was very clear on that. So it was never any, I love that, especially with kids, they don't have these like same preconceived notions and biases. So like, yeah, of course, why, why would mom carry a baby for someone else? That's normal. Right. Totally. Yeah. That's great. Okay. How did the, after everything you've been through, how did the pregnancy go? 
So it went amazing. So yeah, so we found out, um, so we did this the first, so we found out that she was pregnant and they had, they told us that it was likely it was multiples because of the numbers being high, but they didn't know for sure. And I actually flew out there for the first ultrasound for the six week ultrasound, which is really cool. And they were like, okay, well, here's, Here's baby A and, oh, awesome. sweet a. <laughs> and then, yeah. And then, and my husband, they let my husband, um, FaceTime in too, which was really awesome since he couldn't be there. And, and then they're like, and here's baby B and we're like, oh my gosh. And we were actually really excited because we knew we wanted more than one kid. And so having twins was an awesome start to, to that. But then they actually were like, and here's baby C. <gasps> And we were like, oh my gosh. Wow. Yeah, so one of the embryos had And then your husband dropped off as he fainted or no? No, yeah. So it was really interesting because like I looked at Gail and was like, oh my gosh, like she did not sign up for triplets. Um, and and the, the, uh, the tech was like, how are you guys doing? And, and, <laughs> right? and Gail was like, I mean, I don't have to raise them. And I'm like, well, great. I don't have to carry them. So I think we're all fine. Wow. Oh, you guys are sweet. That's really cute. Yeah. And, but the tech did say, she's like, you know, it's very common that, um, that one of them will actually not end up taking. Um, so just know that. And so, so from week six to week eight, we thought we were having triplets and it was a lot to process because we were thinking about how in the heck are we going to do this i we had no idea our brains were yeah going crazy. Did, did you have a plan uh well we're like we definitely need a bigger car <laughs> <laughs> um we're gonna need a lot more support um so we were definitely thinking about it um but then at the week eight the the other embryo was not taking anymore and so we ended up with with identical twin boys and it but it was interesting at that week eight you know I was it was a weird mix of emotions because although I knew that there wasn't it wasn't a full you know baby or anything at that point but still just that little spirit that was there and um and it wasn't there anymore and it was a like a little bit of a relief because I knew it would be such a challenge to have triplets but at the same time I was just like it was emotional thinking oh it's a lot know, there and now it's not there yeah right you started envisioning having these three children and now one of them wasn't part of it exactly and we just kept thinking you know that little baby you know that little spirit that little soul you know made room for the other two to be healthy and you know they played that role that 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 it needed in their life so yeah it was it was a crazy couple weeks Right. Um, and then at that point, they knew the twins were probably pretty good. They weren't like, well, hold on, you know, we'll see how this goes. Oh, no, they felt so they they could tell that the ones that were so there were I, the identical ones. And they said that um, that's good because they said um, when with identical twins, um it, it's better to have it to have it that way than the other way, just because of the way that they're connected with the placenta and everything. And so, um, so that, yeah, they felt really good. I mean, they definitely wanted to, we did a lot more monitoring than a traditional pregnancy because they did want to make sure that there wasn't any, like one twin that was taking more of the nutrients than the other twin. Um, but 
we were really lucky. And I mean, every is time that, they that's probably an issue still, like at breakfast where one's trying to eat everyone. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. No, <laughs> I'm gonna like have all the food, all the cupcakes. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh, they do eat a lot. I'm scared for um, te- the teenage years. Uh, right. <laughs> but yeah, so we. I mean, the, every time you know, it was every time they they measured them, it seemed like they were about the same, and there was there was no problems and. They were growing healthy, but it was so funny because I kept thinking, you know, with each ultrasound that I would feel like, okay, I can relax now and not feel stressed about but this. Never. And not that I was super stressed, but like still just that, um, that feeling of, oh my gosh, I just want to make sure they stay healthy. And so, um, yeah, it was a crazy, crazy experience. Can, did you ever relax? Can you relax now? <laughs> it's a, I mean, now they're they're bored and with you. That's a good question. Yeah, not really. Yeah. Um, After college, wait, no, never, never. Yeah, no, still. Oh my gosh, no, they're, um, uh, yeah, no, not really. I guess once you're once you're a mom, you're a mom. And it was funny because I wasn't sure since I wasn't carrying them, I wasn't sure if I would have that same like kind of emotional experience even when they were, um you know, in the womb, but man, I feel like as soon as we knew that they were there, I was like, oh my gosh, I feel like I have like pregnancy brain and like these other (laughs) things. And it was so interesting. Like it was almost like my, my hormones were, were mimicking being pregnant. And I don't know how they would know how to do that because I've never been pregnant before, but um, it was, it was really crazy. Like I did feel that connection. Um, even before they were born, which was, which was really wild. Like, cause that's, I wasn't sure what that would be like. Right. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, so how did the rest of the pregnancy go? So you've got twins. They're looking good. They're looking good. Everything. Gail's feeling great. Um, you know, they're, they're moving, they're, they're growing. So yeah, everything was on track and they, um, they said, you know, you know, we'll hopefully get to 37 weeks was what they wanted to get to. Um, and so we just, you know, she just kept going to her appointments and everything was nothing, nothing exciting, which is good. That's good. Boring is good. Yes. Boring was good. And were they Um, thinking they'd have to induce or was a C-section on the table? What was the plan? Just no, the plan what, um, was to have them naturally. Gail really wanted to do that. And we were, I mean, we were all, all for that if possible. Um, she is really, excuse me, not a medicine, not a hospital person, excuse me. Um, and so, you know, we're like, well, all great. I mean, if, if all goes well and that can be the way, then awesome. Oh, um, she, she didn't want to give birth in a hospital. Is that what you said? No, she was fine with giving birth in a hospital, but she's just not like a big, like she doesn't she just wants to be more natural with things. Yeah. So she had, I mean, she had her kids in a, in a hospital, but her own kids in a hospital, but no, like didn't have an epidural. didn't have any, um, types of, yeah, things like that. So she really was hoping to do that if possible. Um, but then she ended up going into labor about, 34 weeks like right at right at 34 weeks yeah and And we happened to be in the middle of the ocean on a cruise oh no (laughs) yes like literally in the middle of the ocean I mean I could not see land anywhere um I had earned this trip through my business and congratulations so I was like 
What? Congratulations. And you're probably thinking oh, yes. like, oh, we should do this before the babies come. This is perfect. Yes, exactly. I was like, it's perfect. It's only like, we'll be back by 34 and a, like a half weeks. Um, and everything is going great. There was no reason we shouldn't go. Um, and I'm like, and we earned this free trip. So we're not just going to not go just <laughs> so, so yeah. So we we're in this, the middle of the ocean and we get, we had made sure our phones would be able to get, um, like text messages and stuff in case there was any issues. And so we get this message and as soon as we got the message, my husband was like, Oh my gosh, I'm, it's gotta be Gail. Like who else would it be? And so it was actually my friend, Melanie, my, my best friend, one of my best friends from high school telling us that, that it, said, oh, it was just like, Gail started some contractions. I just want to let you know. And, and so we're like, okay, well, okay. Are they progressing? Like, is this something that we need to get back what were your options? Were you near, like, were you coming up to port in the next day or what? yes so thankfully we were coming up to st thomas which is a u.s island so that was the best of all islands to be coming up to so um so yeah they said she was progressing and we said okay you know go to the hospital i i we looked to find a flight we got a we booked a flight out of st thomas it unfortunately there wasn't one for like a few hours after we got there but that was the soonest one that we could that we could get. I feel like it must be nerve wracking, even just like getting off the ship. You're like, let me, I'll, I'll just jump off and swim to shore. Totally. It was so nerve wracking because we had to just like sit in the airport and like twiddle our thumbs. Oh. And we're like, we should have gone to the beach or something because there's nothing we can do at this tiny little oh, airport for right. three hours. Oh, right. um, but we didn't, we didn't do that. We just sat at the airport. And I mean, in the meantime, we got to hold my mom, who's only about a four and a half hour drive from outside of Chicago where where she was going the hospital she was going to so we're like well at least somebody will be there so your mom started driving so my mom was like okay yeah she just like hopped in the car went and so we couldn't get a direct flight to Chicago we could only get one that had a layover so we thought for sure by the time we got to the layover that they would be born um so we're kind of like you know well, what can we do? I mean, there, you know, we have somebody there, we have, you know, they're in the hospital, all the supports there. Um, and so we get to the layover and we're like, how's it going? And they're like, they, the labor slowed down and she hasn't had the babies yet. You're like, like, yes, there's hope. Oh my gosh. Like we couldn't believe it. We just were like, so excited that they hadn't been born yet. Um, so and we, where, where was your layover? How far were you at that point? Um, I, what city were in? I don't remember. The flight wasn't that, it was like a, it was still like a two hour flight, I think, to Chicago from there. Um, I can't remember what city we're in. <laughs> I guess I wasn't focused on that. Um, but, you know, that's funny. I feel like if they had been born, you would definitely remember. We actually interviewed this really sweet couple and they remember like being at like gate 30C in Chicago. I think it was in O'Hare where they found out their babies were born where they didn't make oh it. Oh my gosh. But um, but yeah, but of course you don't, you don't get to, you don't need to remember it cause you, you kept going. Yeah, so okay, we, go on. Yeah, so we kept going, we got to the hospital. It was like 11 at night or something that we got to the hospital and, um, and she was doing fine. They, it was right on that. Uh, they still weren't born. They still weren't born. You still had, you're still yeah, they still weren't born. The labor had slowed down it to the point where they were, it was kind of right on that cusp of, do we delay, do we help delay the labor or do we just let her progress naturally? and with with their development and so they actually decided to give her a medication that 
um, that then at that uh, delay, you know, helps slow it down, slow down the labor. And they also gave a shot to help the boys with their lung development because they said mm-hmm. that's right on the cusp of when that kind of finalizes. Right. And so, so yeah, so they sent her home the next day. So that was on a Tuesday. Oh, no. And at this point, you're like, maybe we should continue our cruise. I know. I know. All these things are going through our head. Like, like maybe we shouldn't have come home. Or, or now what do we do? Do we just stay in Chicago? And who knows? It could be like three weeks until they're born. Um, it was very confusing. But we ended up staying. And uh, that was on a, so that was on a Tuesday. My husband ended up flying home the next day to Denver to get a car and drove it back so he was back by thursday so we had a car and then on and at this point you're you're just determined to sit you're gonna i'm here to the end is that well so we're there to the end and then we also my parents live in like i said they live in michigan like four and a half hours away so we ha- we were planning on taking them back like driving them back there and staying there for a couple months so we didn't have to fly them as new newborns home and so and that, plus having help. Yes, right? plus having help and everything. So so that was the plan. So that's why we were that's why he we really wanted a car too, was so that we could have it in Michigan. And so he got back and then on Friday, um she ended up having signs of preeclampsia. Oh. Yeah. And so we went back to the hospital. And at first she was thinking, you know, maybe it's not, but she was saying like, I feel like I'm having trouble breathing. And we were thinking, oh my gosh, you need to get to the hospital. And, you know, being her, she's like, I think I'll just wait a little bit. And so we're over here freaking out. And she's like, I'm just going to wait. We're like, maybe not. Um, But she, she decided, yes, I do need to go to the hospital. We went there and they determined, they did determine after like an hour in the ER that she, yes, she had preeclampsia. And we got up to the, the, uh, up to the labor and delivery floor and they didn't have a room for us cause it was so busy. So they actually had to put us in an operating room oh, at wow. first. And meanwhile, I forgot this part of the story. They had earlier in the day had, they had tested her and, and found that they sent her home and wanted her to do a 24 hour urine test. And so we had this big bag of her urine that we're carrying around the hospital normal uh and i'm like can i just give this to somebody and they're like oh just hold on to it oh my I'm god i'm like okay so, <laughs> so finally i just left it in that in that operating room but at this point it had progressed so much that she really was like not doing well and oh, it was really scary and yeah. and they they were like what's going on like maybe she has the flu or other things because that at that point, the ER had not gotten her reports up to that floor. And so then we filled her in. I'm like, no, it's preeclampsia. But I think they didn't realize it had probably started earlier. So it was progressing a lot faster than they thought. <clears throat> and so then at that point, they decided that they needed to do an emergency C-section because the boy's heart rate started skyrocketing. Her, She was not doing well. And luckily, she was like, yeah, I can't. I, I don't have the energy to do at that point to, you know, try to do a regular delivery. So, so we're all kind of freaking out because we're like, there are three lives here at risk. Like, can you speed it up a little bit? Right. right. Um, and so finally they did. And they were, they had told us before they were going to let us in the, in the delivery room. But at that point, 
apparently nobody had communicated that to the doctor. So the doctor said, absolutely not. You cannot go back there. So we were, Oh, that's terrible. I'm sorry. Yeah. So that really sucked, but it was okay. The nurses were really sweet and they were like, we're going to get you back there as soon as they bring those, you know, those boys out of the, of the operating room. We're like, okay. Um, so we waited there patiently and, um, and then they, 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 got us like literally before they even brought like even opened the doors to bring the boys out of the operating room and it was just like gosh this sense of relief because I she's like everybody's okay and I just started bawling because I was like oh my gosh thank goodness like I mean we were worried about everybody right your friend your babies yes yes everybody and I just started like crying because I was like oh my gosh everyone's okay thank goodness and um so we yes we had uh, Mason, who was five five two, and then Griffin, who was five eight. And those are they were those both... are good sizes for that early. Yeah, That's, those are they're I solid. Know. And it was only at that point, um, not even thirty five weeks yet. It was like thirty four and a half weeks. Yeah, and good yeah, I know. And and it was just really crazy because Gail, she knew her body. Like when she started going into like before we even went on the cruise, she had said, I don't think you should go on the cruise. Like, I, I think they're going to come then. And we just kind of blew it off. Cause we're like, Oh, you know, they're going to wait. Really like, they're gonna yeah. wait. But I think she really knew her body and she knew that they were ready. And, um, so we, we ended up, they, they did go into the NICU just for protocol. Cause it wasn't 35 weeks yet. Um, but we were only there. That was on a Friday. They were born Friday night. And we went home Wednesday morning and the, wow. the that's amazing, especially for that early. Yeah. And everybody kept telling us like, even after they were born, they were like, be prepared to be here at least two weeks and they probably won't go home on the same day and all this stuff. And you guys, they were released the same day. Yeah. They were released the same day. They were great eaters. They, the only like when, right when Mason when they came out they had put an oxygen mask on Mason because they weren't sure it, how he was breathing but they took it off within like ten minutes of of that and they ended up giving Griffin um, two like sugar shots because his uh, levels were a little bit blood sugar levels were a little bit low but that was it I give myself those oh yeah no, I'm just kidding <laughs> and no. so that's yeah. good I mean that's like minimal intervention for them that was it that was it and then we. Um, we drove him back to Michigan and I was of course terrified. I kept like, my mom was driving one car and we had them in that car. And then my husband drove the other car and I kept looking back every like five seconds to make sure that they were okay <laughs> in their car seat. Um, they were totally fine and they've been super healthy and strong. And and how was Gail after the birth? Was she in the hospital for a while? So fortunately she, once they got the babies out, um, her body really like was recovered quickly. She ended up being in the hospital a day, I think a day longer than most people are. Um, okay. And but was she, was she out before the babies were? Yes, she was. Yes. Um, and she didn't actually, she didn't actually really see them much. She came down, she came down to the NICU and just like literally saw them and then left um, she didn't really want to, I think it was just so much at that point. And, but it was interesting talking to her later because although we never wanted the preg- the end of the pregnancy to go that way, the birth 
part. But, um, but she did say, she said, you know, it kind of was a blessing because she said it helped her to focus on herself and not the fact that, you know, she just had these babies that now she's giving to somebody else. Um, so it was an interesting perspective that she had on, on that experience, but yeah, she's doing amazing. Um, she, yeah, she's, she's no, no like complications later or anything like that. Right. And do you guys keep in touch? Do you? Does she see the baby? I mean, they're not babies anymore, right? But <laughs> no, they're not. Yeah, we do. We, um, you know, we try to FaceTime each other <clears throat> every so often because she's outside of Chicago still and we're in Denver. So we, it's not like we live near each other, but, um, we try to FaceTime and, um, and just see each other in that way since we can't really see each other much physically. Um, and then we're also friends on Facebook. So we, she, she sees all the pictures that I, that I put up on them and she'll comment. And actually even her mom, we're, I'm friends with her mom on Facebook too. And so her mom sees them and it's really, it's really special because like my boys know who she is and they don't really get it that's, yet. That's what, I was gonna, that's what I was going to ask next of how do you, do you talk to them about it? Or, I mean, it's still really early. Yeah. So it's interesting. I remember at the very beginning of this process, they had said, you know, just start trying out telling them their story from the beginning. So it's not a surprise. Um, so yeah, I just, I kind you know, I kind of just say, you know, mommy couldn't carry you in her, in her belly. So we had this other special person, Gail, that did that for mommy. And, um, and, and then I've just started trying to figure out how to do the egg part because they don't really know what that means, but, um, but so I, I've started trying to figure out how to talk about that, but at least they know that, yeah, somebody else they're old enough now that they understand the concept like of somebody yeah. carrying a baby in, in their, you know, not, I know, I know it's not their tummy. Right. But, belly. Yes, so yeah, so they, yeah, they definitely, um, they get that. So it's interesting. It'll be interesting to see if they have questions when they're older or if they really care or, <laughs> or what, but yeah, um, we, you know, we definitely want them to know what their story is. So definitely. Oh, well, that I, that's an amazing story, and I love that that you're willing to share. I think if nothing else, that for people who are going through this, like you, you went through cancer four times, you multiple failed transfers. I think it's really hard not to get dis- discouraged and to give up. And I think it's good to hear people who've made it through all of that and are at the other side, and um, to hear that they they made their made it to their their goal, their end. I yeah. mean, not the end, their beginning, right? But. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so is it amazing? I mean, having twins, do you, do you sleep? Yes, it's amazing. Um, well, and just one thing about those three transfers is that we've thought about is like, if we, if those other transfers had worked, we wouldn't have Mason and Griffin. And so that just is so amazing. The, these were the embryos. These, these were the, the embryos children. that we're supposed to have. Yeah. Take. yeah. Yeah. Mm. I think that's just so gives me chills, but it's amazing. Yeah. One, I mean, one, um, I, when you try to look at the, the bright side of not being able to carry, um, I couldn't breastfeed cause obviously it didn't have anything to give them. And so my husband is amazing and the most amazing dad. And so he helped with feeding them at night. We kind of alternated that. So that really, really helped. <clears throat> um, and now, I mean, they're almost three. They'll be three on October 9th. Okay. And so they're, it's so funny. Like it's kind of, sometimes I feel like it's easier because they have each other 
And then sometimes mm-hmm. I feel like it's like four times harder because they have each other. Ah, <laughs> uh, right. That's great. So they love each other and it's so special getting to see their relationship developing and um and their interaction and they're just they're they're just so like it's like a little it's like a little science experiment having identical twins because they're <laughs> they're the same exact DNA but they but, still are you know different and they're right. their own unique people and it's so interesting to see how that could work. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Well, thank you again for for coming on and telling your story and sharing this with us. I think it's um I, I'm so happy that you that you did get to the happy ending and I think it's really meaningful and I think it will be meaningful for others to hear it. You're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. And yes, I hope that hopefully this helps somebody, at least one person with their journey and feeling hopeful about what they can experience and and sticking with it and having having kids. It's amazing. Lesson of the day. Oh man, so much like hope and perseverance and their happy endings after trying. Um, but I think one of them from, from Emily and her, what all that she's been through is that, um, it, it helps. It works to, to reach out to, to people, to talk to people about what you're going through. And you never know if a college friend or a friend of a friend might be that amazing angel in your life that, that makes all the difference. So I think, I think just by opening up and sharing that we really can all help each other. And it's, it's often amazing how, how we can be there for each other. Yeah, absolutely. And we, we love it when people reach out and share with us. Uh, it's awesome. We, we love to hear from people. Um, definitely. There are a ton of ways to reach us. You can email us via our webpage or give us a call at 303-997-1903 or indirectly you can leave us a review on iTunes. I mean, that doesn't you know come to us or anything, but we, we do like those things. Um, huge, huge special thanks as always to Chris at work at bird studios who makes us sound not quite so silly. And he definitely cuts out the extra giggling. I, I, I swear he does. Um, you, you guys have no idea how bad it is sometimes. Um, so really huge thanks to Chris. We really appreciate you and we appreciate all of you listening to us and taking time out of your day. Bye.